Small businesses are at the heart of the U.S. economy. Here at Nurture Small Business Podcast, we're dedicated to seeing our small business owners succeed. I am your host, Denise Kagan, president of DCA Virtual Business Support. If you like what you hear on today's podcast, please share it. You have my gratitude for doing so. Today's guest is a coach, author, speaker, facilitator, and the host of Defining Moments of Leadership podcast. She leads companies to break through their communication patterns that result in stagnation. Welcome to the show, Marsha Acker. Mm, Thanks, Denise. I'm happy to be here. I am so excited to talk to you today. I mean, I mean, it seems like everything boils down to communication, does it not? Yeah. I well, I've heard that tossed around, I think, most of my adult life, but I have come to really like at a DNA level kind of understand um yeah, but like it to me, it's sort of like the train tracks that everything else sits on. So yeah, it's either working or it's not. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, I, when I was reading through your information, I found some very interesting things that stuck out to me. Um, You had mentioned something about toxic assumptions uh, that are stagnating initiatives, which is somewhat part of what I um, introduced. You have workbooks, you are, have your podcast host yourself, and also agile, agile popped out. So we have a lot of directions we could go. (laughs) Maybe, maybe we start off with that toxic. Um, So Mm. there's a reason why you have this on here. You know, Mm. apparently you come into companies and you do what? I often come into companies when um, there, there's two ways either they're just in general looking to kind of level up their leadership. And then I think the other time we get called in is when things have reached a place and we've tried all the other stuff and it's still not. What do you mean by all the other stuff? All the other stuff. Like we've, um, we've hired consultants, we've bought uh, tools to help us with communication. We've got um, software that helps us radiate. We've tried reading books on communication or we've tried reading books about being a better team and being a better communicator and building psychological safety. Like, so we've done all the things and yet we find somewhere along the way we're, we're trying to move an initiative forward as a leadership team. There's something that just, there's one person that's really getting in the way. And if, and if we could just get them some coaching, I think things would be better that I think that's a very common framework. So I'm often coming in when People have tried a lot already and are sort of at the place of, like, I don't know what else to do. Okay. Okay. And so what are, you talk about, you know, the the toxic communications. Tell me a little bit about what that might look like actually in a company. I think that toxic communication doesn't look like what you might imagine toxic communication to look like. like mm-hmm. I, I, you know, so let's just imagine when you hear the phrase toxic communication, I know what comes up for me is like, I can immediately, you know, start thinking about places where I, there's poor morale or there's um, really a breakdown in communication. So I think there's that. So the the very visible signs that people are unhappy, they feel um, trapped in some way. And so there's just a general kind of toxic communication. But I also think toxic communication 
um, can happen in much more subtle, very innocuous, almost polite ways. So we're very polite with one another, or we might describe our culture in our in our leadership team as we're nice, we're, we're collegial, we get along, we like one another. And yet, I think the toxicity comes in patterns where for one reason or another, or maybe many reasons, we're not able to voice what we really think in the moment. And at the very crux of that, I think what then happens is the way that we show up in communication is we take actions in the conversation that aren't, they have some, they have kind of an ulterior motive behind them, or they have an ulterior, like we're holding something back. So I might say to you, for example, um, sure, sounds great. We'll, we'll get that done next week. And you can, you know, you and I are on video, so you can kind of see I'm shrugging my shoulders. I'm there's something in my vocal tone and you might find yourself going, really, really? Is it, <laughs> is it really a sure or, or is there something else behind it? And I would say in that moment, both are true, right? There's someone that's saying, sure, I'll do that. And that sort of intuition hit that you might be getting of, is it really a sure? Um, is absolutely like you should, you should be curious about it. So I think, I think toxicity can have a wide range. I think it can look like the very overt, maybe demeaning or demoralizing behaviors, but I think it can also look like politeness, niceness, mm. just just trying to get it done. And in the in those spaces, we actually blow past the real conversation. Mm, okay. I, I can see several examples. I honestly, mm. when I talk to my team and I because we are on video, like almost always. Yeah. And if I get that sure shrug shoulders, I'm like, okay, tell me about that. Cause that didn't sound like a really sure, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes they'll open up and tell me what they're thinking. And, and sometimes it's like, yeah, I'm just still processing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. I think that happens a lot. So I'm, I'm a big fan of actually taking time to build the muscles of communication and having a having a way and a and a structure for being able to do that because i think it's in those somewhat seemingly innocuous places where we're either moving things forward or we're leaving big things left unsaid and i i think over the last 10 or 15 years have come to really understand the cost of leaving things unsaid or really not enabling people, every everyone in the organization to um, be able to bring their voice in and have a way and have a way to bring their voice in in a productive manner. Have you been able to actually assign metrics and ROI on this? <laughs> no, but we work a lot with um helping teams onboard what's called structural dynamics. So it is a theory of face-to-face -face communication and it provides everyone with a bit of a, a technology for being able to um, read what's happening in the conversation in the moment. And the point of that is that when we can read it, we can look for patterns where we're either able to, we're hearing like their four actions, for example, in all communication, there's either a move, like it sets direction, there's a follow, it's supporting 
Um, there's an oppose that's offering really clear pushback. So I disagree. And the fourth is a bystand. So it's offering a morally neutral comment about what's happening. So just by that, you know, by way of that example, if teams are able to onboard that language and then actually start to code the conversation in the moment, when you're getting a pattern of like lots of move and follow, so that's the, hey, will you get this done? And in comes the follow that says, sure, I'm voicing a follow, but what might be really intended is an oppose. And so that's the rub when one thing gets said, but another thing is intended. And so mm. by way of being able to have a language to kind of code what's happening, we can start to measure. Actually, that is a way to measure what's happening in the conversation so that I'm not just going by, I think, or my gut tells me that we're doing fine. I, we're actually helping leaders onboard the skill of listening for all four of those from themselves and from the whole team. And when they're not showing up, that's your sign. That's your flag that says, I have work to do here. Um, yeah. How closely related is this to emotional intelligence work? Mm. Um, emotional intelligence, there's, um, there's definitely the awareness piece, I think, is one of the big components that makes it very you know, similar to emotional intelligence. But I think what's really different about structural dynamics is it is about um, what's happening in the conversation right now. What are the sentences that are being said? And how are the sentences that I'm saying impacting you and others? And what's the reaction that people are having? So it's this it's really kind of a very systemic way of looking at conversation and that we're all playing a part in it. Um, so for example, I'll, I'll give you an example of my own. Um, follow and bystand are really high for me. I, they, they come naturally. I use them a lot. Depending on my, you know, what I might be doing in the conversation, I can also make a lot of moves. The one action that I've really had to work on is the voice of a pose. And there's lots of reasons for that. I grew up in a house where a pose was considered to be rude, you know, like you didn't oppose others. Um, that wasn't kind, you know, that was, a, it was a little bit rude. So there's some of that programming that I have that makes it a little bit more challenging for me to bring the voice of a pose in. So I actually have to work on that. That's a leadership edge for me. And we all will have things that we're working on. There can be some for whom they're they're stuck in move. They move constantly, and their task becomes, you know, finding more inquiry to bring into the conversation. So, I think there's the individual kind of strengths that we bring, but there's also noticing if I find myself in a conversation with someone who is really strong in a pose. Um, I can, I have to manage my reaction to that because sometimes it can be like, I can want to shut it down. Yeah, you're, you're shaking your head, right? So mm -hmm. like, there's the, can I oppose? And then what's it like to actually welcome the oppose? That's a whole nother conversation. So, Absolutely. So yeah. you called this structural dynamics. Yes. Okay. Yes. Is it based on neurolinguistics at all? No, it's a okay. theory of face-to-face -face communication, okay. and it comes from a gentleman by the name of David Cantor. So he was based out of um, Harvard. He started a research of this back in the early 70s, um, and he brought it forward into a theory of structural dynamics. So, yeah, and he has a book. It's called um, Reading the Room. Reading the Room. Yeah. I am going to have to check that out because I find this absolutely fascinating. <laughs>
<laughs> okay. So it sounds like you have to coach and help leaders get over whatever some things they may have learned in the past. Yeah. What's, I, what's been your most challenging? I mean, <laughs> a challenging. Yeah. Well, I'm appreciating the question because what, um, so what David said about structural dynamics is that there will be, um, there's kind of three layers of looking at structure of what's a way to code what's happening in the conversation. But the fourth layer is what he calls childhood story. And that is what gets to your question about, you know, your question is, you know, helping people get over what they've, you know, experiences that they've had in the past. Your question about what's most challenging, I think the first part is getting leaders to be okay with talking about childhood experiences at work Mm. in a leadership team where it's impacting. Because because I also think there's a, a stereotype or a norm or a belief that we have, certainly in American business, that... Um, we can really tend to group those things into therapy or that's personal and this is work. And, and we sort of put these hard barriers around them. And I, what I love about what David Cantor said is that um, in some ways he kind of challenged leaders, like it's a little irresponsible in many ways because the, the childhood stories are in the room already. Mm-hmm. They're what have me hold back my oppose, or they're what send me into high stakes when someone else opposes me. And so without being able to name them or talk about them, or even for us each individually to have done a little bit of work to understand what happened, but also to to make sense of it in, in the way of communication today, like how it might show up structurally and to draw some connections between those it leaves us kind of um, reacting to others in a way that's really not very helpful, um, in a way that we're not in command of ourselves behaviorally. So I what's the, the hardest part to me sometimes has been um, getting, getting the teams to be okay starting to have that conversation. But I will tell you, once they do, like once they welcome the opportunity to talk about it, I've watched it transform conversations. Hmm. That's fascinating because uh, in order for this to work, people have to be a little bit vulnerable. Yep. And I'm going to take a wild guess here that it probably mm. works better with female entrepreneurs. Mm. I could be wrong. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's um, it's really interesting. I, I'm not too many weeks ago, um, we were working with a, a team and um, there was, uh, it was a team mostly of men. There was one, one female on the team. And, um, and we went there. Um, we, uh, no, now let me say this about that before I, before I go any further to anyone listening. We, we do have a way of building a container. So it's, it's not like we walk in the door and, and that's where we drop into. So we've, we do build a container and, and create a bit of um, design around how we're going to do that. But we, we went there and um, at the end, I remember one of the leaders standing up saying, well, I didn't see that coming. 
And that was probably some of the most real conversation we have ever had. So you might not be wrong about um, where people might, you know, where female entrepreneurs might be the ones that welcome it or, or are willing to create space for it. I would say one thing about the way we work with teams is that we actually don't, we don't tell, like we don't ask for permission, but we talk about why it's important to have those conversations. So we do, it's something that we do take a bit of a stand for. Um, and, and I have watched it be quite transformative to men and women. Do you ever get some just harsh pushback on this, on, mm. on being vulnerable and opening up and actually participating? Yes, it, but it comes in different ways about different things. Um, so I think at the very beginning, it's pretty common for um, some people to just have some anxiety, just, uh, just mm. about, you know, doing any kind of development work as uh, as individuals or collectively as a leadership team. So sometimes it'll come out about uh, how frequent we're meeting or for how long we're meeting. So it, it actually, I think, happens more about topics that feel, I make up, that feel safe to push back on, uh, maybe the way that we're sitting in the room. or So I think we tend to sometimes get pushback on those kinds of things. Um, but once people have had the experience of real conversation, like real conversations. I think in some ways, I, you know, you watch all the social media and the news about we're tired of meeting and we've got meeting fatigue and um, we're tired of meeting on Zoom and we need all of these. So, so I think we go to tools and techniques to help solve the thing that, like my story about that is we long for people to just come into a space and be able to have a real conversation. Um, one where people are are vulnerable. They are sharing what they really think. That we get sort of beyond the surface level conversation to what's really important to everyone. And I think if we could get there, people wouldn't care how long the meeting is or whether all of the collaboration features on the board at work or whether people have, you know, how they're set up in their in their virtual space. So it's just a hypothesis that I have. I I think that we are fatigued of conversations that feel like they waste our time and repeat over and over again because we're really not talking about the real thing. Like we're, we're leaving that oppose out of the room. Okay. So you come in, you start with, mm -hmm. you know, the, these vulnerable conversations and, you know, determining, you know, the childhood story and then teaching them about the, the four different, um, what did you call them again? Um, action modes. Action modes. Okay. Yeah. The four different action modes. What's next? Mm. Building the skills of communicative competence. So the ability to do that ongoing. Um, you know, one. I think one of the things that we're we take a stand for is we we're not creating dependency on any external thing. We really want people to be able to do this on their own. So it it becomes a way of much like you would train to play a violin or we'd invest in skills to, you know, learn coaching techniques, like anything that we would collectively kind of invest in. I just think we don't, I, I, I'll speak for myself for many years. I had a, I had a technology background and I think for many years, I just didn't see communication as something that I needed to invest in um, because I, 
I felt like I was pretty good at it. And I think many of us would, you know, if, if we were really honest, we would say, well, there's, there are these other things out there that seem like they've got, you know, fancy words. Seems like I could go learn about that. And I think that it's just not a concerted effort of ongoing development. So, you know, often in a lot of our work, we found that about nine to 12 months of just having space where, where teams are actively practicing it. It doesn't mean that it happens every day, but they're carving out space to create the time to develop that muscle um, where they can start to catch one another. So um, usually it's, it, you know, in about two months time, you start to see a leadership team actually starting to catch each other mm-hmm. and they're going, ah, oh, wait, is that what you really meant? And then, oh, hold on, we're, we're moving really fast. Can we slow down? Um, and, and you have people actually start to slow the conversation down and, and say what they really think. So it's, I think it's ongoing skill building is really where we go next. So is all this in a group um, setting and do you come in like weekly, daily, monthly? How does Usually that monthly. Monthly, yep. okay. So it's about a little bit of a touch point and practice and getting feedback and then letting the team continue the day-to-day work just, mm-hmm. just like they normally would. But then the touch point of coming back to, okay, hold on. So let's slow down and let's talk about how did, you know, how did the last couple of weeks go? And that's, you know, it's really fascinating to hear people like, what do you, what do you want to celebrate? What are you, you know, what are you getting right? And what's the, what's the edge? Well, like, what are you still struggling with? And then do you just come on site or do you do this mm-hmm. virtual nationwide? We, uh, internationally and, oh, wow. <laughs> um, we are really, most of our work these days happens online. So, um, because most companies, if they're back um, in person, they're, they're back in a hybrid format. And so um, sometimes we're pulling teams together um, in person. So it just depends on really the culture and the organization. Sometimes we're working um, predominantly in the room with a leadership mm-hmm. team if they are, you know, co-located. Um, but we've done quite a bit of work online too. So it, it translates. So that's one of the questions I think that people often have is like, so it's a theory of face-to-face communication. Do we have to be in the room? And no, it, it works. Okay, too. so Zoom works as well. Uh, and what is your ideal client? Mm. Often someone, so it's back to that piece that I said at the very beginning. They're, um, I think the, the biggest thing is they're ready to do work on themselves. And so whether that's, um, we just have a natural orientation to a learning mindset and we're ready to spend, you know, our time leveling up our leadership. So we're let, you know, we're ready to kind of collectively level up or we notice, you know, we've made it through a couple of, um, of those hockey stick moments in our um, organization. And, and we're really feeling like we need um, some collective skills to take us to the next level. I think that's one place. I think the other place is the, the team that's feeling like they've tried it all and feeling super stuck in the moment. Okay. So size does mm. size matter? <laughs> um, it doesn't really. So we've, uh, we don't tend to work with brand new startups um, often just because most of the time startups are in a place where they are 
um, scrambling, like, it, it, you know, things. <laughs> they, they're that like the capacity, the mental capacity to sort of carve out, you know, self-development time, not, not that it's not helpful. It's just often not, you know, where a startup is, um, but often mid to uh, very large organizations um, are kind of the, the sweet spot that we tend to find ourselves in. Perfect. So is there something I should have asked you that I haven't asked you? Mm. I don't think so. I mean, we kind. Of, I mean, we could we could talk about all. You know, there's so many directions to go, but you know, in the space of what we've been exploring, I think that those, you know, it's it's that it's that place of conversation and why it would be important to invest in it. Absolutely. So, Marsha, how can our listeners find you after the show? Yeah, um, the easiest place to get in touch with me is on LinkedIn. So uh, my profile, um, Marsha Acker. And then I have a new book. It's called Build Your Model for Leading Change. And you can find it at buildyourmodel.com. Um, it is, it's a reflect, it's a guided reflection workbook on structural dynamics. So mm. the first three chapters are all about the theory. Uh, of structural dynamics with some examples of teams. And the rest of the book is about really getting clear for individuals and for uh, leadership teams around how to go about leading change and why having that kind of model for behavior and the language of behavior will help you. So um, it's a guided workbook uh, in full color. I am going to have to check that out. <laughs> well, Marsha, you have been an excellent guest. I will make sure that the links that you referenced and your LinkedIn um, profile tag will be in all of our show notes as well. Okay. That's great. Thanks, Denise. You're welcome. Thank you for joining me for today's Nurture Small Business podcast, where the focus is on business growth through technology, leadership, and people strategies. Do you have an idea for a podcast or feedback you'd like to share with me? Send me a note through my website at dcavirtual.com slash contact.